0: So today, somewhere in the world, there's a Shakespeare or Mozart born who's waiting for us to invent the technology that would unleash their genius. And that's sort of what I am involved in, is trying to bring about as fast as possible all the new forms of technology so that every person born in the future, or even today, would have a chance to unleash their genius and share it in the world.
1: I'm Sean Delaney, and you're listening to What Got You There. What Got You There is a must-follow for entrepreneurs, leaders, and people looking for high performance in business and in life. Now, each week, I sit down with one of the world's most successful people and focus on the journey behind their success. We uncover the strategy, mindsets, and habits that help them get there. Now, it's your journey, so it's time to learn what's going to get you there, and if you want access to over 300 episodes and insights with Game Changers and Changemakers, head to WhatGotYouThere.com, where you can also subscribe to my Momentum Monday newsletter. Today on the, the podcast, lady. for the second time, I sit down with a co-founder of Wired Magazine and famed technologist, Kevin Kelly. Now, Kevin and I cover a lot of ground, and we explore topics like AI and the impact it will have on the world moving forward. But this conversation is centered around the excellent advice for living that Kevin has been compiling for years. You see, he wanted to pass something on to his adult children, and he wanted to share what he had learned about life that he wished he knew earlier. And he shares a ton of practical and incredible life wisdom for us on this podcast. If you want more of Kevin's incredible wisdom, he actually has a new book out called Excellent Advice for Living, which you guys can get in the show notes below or head to whatgotyouthere.com. Please enjoy this episode with Kevin. Kevin Kelly Hey, it's Sean and after personally coaching CEOs, executives, and professional athletes for more than a decade and also interviewing over 300 of the world's most successful people on this podcast, I have compiled the most important mindsets, routines, and skills you need to cultivate to skyrocket the success in your own life. Now I've done this by creating a 19 video lecture online personal development course called You Unleashed. Now, these lectures include how to overcome limiting beliefs and fears that you have, how to develop your personal routine for high performance, and mapping out what your foundational life principles and values are. Now, this course has a proven curriculum where I will teach you everything I've learned from high achievers about how to live a more fulfilling life. Now, you can get exclusive access to this course by clicking the link below or going to whatgotyouthere.com forward slash you dash unleashed. That's whatgotyouthere.com forward slash you dash
0: unleashed. Kevin, welcome back to What Got You There. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. It's
1: so fun to to dive into your life, your stories. And I've loved the recent book, What You Just Came Out With, Excellent Advice for Living. And I'm always intrigued by the underlying drivers, the motivators behind why people take certain actions. And for you specifically, what led to you compiling all of this wisdom and writing this book?
0: Again, inadvertently, I didn't intend to write a book. I was really trying to put down into words some of the things I've learned um, turning 70. I never really preached very much to my kids. We didn't really have a lot of aphorisms. We tried to form and instruct them by what we did rather than what we said. But I found... Um, The challenge, I I found that I wanted to finally put down some things in words and maybe I was influenced by Twitter, but I really wanted to make them kind of little tweetable aphorisms, little proverbs. And um, I spent a lot of time trying to make them as small as possible. And that was sort of a challenge that I liked, kind of suits my writing style of being a little telegraphic. And so after I did a bunch of them, I did this kind of um, this Hobbit version of a birthday present of giving them away uh, my birthday to my children, and I put them on my blog. And um, there was such they they, they they kind of ricocheted around; they went viral, and that would encourage me to kind of do more of them, and to realize that I had more to say when I was given the challenge of trying to make it into a tweet. And so, um, so I just kept going for several years. And then I realized that there was a book that you could hand to somebody. Um, and that's sort of the origin of this idea of like, well, I have 450 of them. I can probably put them into a book. You mentioned the challenge. Is seeking that
1: challenge and trying to wrestle it a reoccurring theme throughout the other things that you've done?
0: Yes. I, I, I kind of realized uh, kind of late in life that, that I'm a project a serial project person and that I organize my life and think of my life in terms of not so much a career or an occupation but as a series of projects. So I am very project oriented and um, this little book excellent advice for living was a project that kind of I didn't plan on doing that year it would just sort of happened but then once I saw it oh this is a project I could do it would be good no one else is going to do it I'd I, be fun uh, it'd be beneficial. so then I treat it as a project and and projects can last years from when you first think of them until when you're kind of completely done with it um, and so there's only a limited number of projects that that I can do um and so I, I like to kind of um think and and carefully evaluate like whether this project is one I should do and some of those criteria is, you know, is it, would I enjoy doing it? Would I be good good at doing it? What other people find it valuable? And lastly, and most importantly to me now, would anybody else do it? Because if someone else does it, I don't do it. Hmm. So, yeah. so that part was really important.
1: Well, along with this, one of the things you say, the, the only productive way to answer what should I do now is to first right. tackle the question. Of who should I become? So, yes. so I, I would love to know at this stage, like, who is Kevin Kelly working to become? What, what's the, what's
0: that vision like in your head that you're working towards? Yes, that's such a great question. Um, so, uh, f- so for me, I, I mean, p- part of what we're trying to do, all of us, and what I hope to encourage other people to do is to become the best version of yourself, right? Become, and and figuring out who we are and why we're here and what our mix of thing of talents are and what it is that we can do that nobody else is very, very difficult. It is the most difficult thing in our lives. And it will take most of our lives to figure that out. There are some people who are blessed very early, maybe Mozart or somebody who know very early what it is that they're really good at. but most of us, it takes some while to figure out what we're here for and what our purpose in life is. And your purpose has to be much bigger than your than your passions, okay? I mean we want to be working for something big. so so um, all I'm saying is, is that yes, um, I'm I because I'm still alive, I'm still figuring that out. So I'm saying, you, you know it's like you don't really know until the end. And um, what I think I'm trying to become is um, um, a person who, wh- wh- I should say, what I think my mix, my mix of talents are in the arts and the sciences, is in the technology and the arts. Um, I've been a maker all my life. I've been making things since I was a kid large-scale things from, you know, train layouts with lights and stuff when I was a really kid. And then I made a nature museum when I was in middle school. Then I made a chemistry science laboratory when I was in high school. I made, went on to build a house from scratch, cutting down the trees and everything. Um, so I've been a maker, but, 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 and, but I've been involved in technology, but at the same time doing art all the time. And so, um, and then sharing it. So, so for me, there's some combination of the person that I'm aiming to become is a word, is, is, a, is, a, is a function, occupation that we don't have a word for. It's combination of kind of artist, technologist, philosopher, engineer. You know, it's sort of, it's, it's, a, it's a maker person who makes stuff and shares the stuff. Um, and who maybe um, likes to talk about this stuff, you know to who who tries to understand it. So I'm so I don't ha- I don't think there's a word for that, but I think that's good. I think I think that we, we sh- you should that's one of my bits of advice is if at all possible, try to work on something where nobody has a word for what it is that you do. Okay? And so so part of what I'm aiming for is to, is is to have one where where you know my occupation is kind of very hard to describe. That to me would be a success. Hmm. At, at what point did you get to that this level
1: of clarity that you're at now? I'm just thinking if you were to zoom out, and it seems right. like you're you're more in flow with your own natural right. river right now. And I'm wondering at what right. stage for you did that start to happen?
0: Very early. I even in high school. Um, I was, my, my hero was Henry David Thoreau. Why was that? Walden. Walden just was like, okay, you know, do your thing, march to your own drummer. You know, you know, this is the sixties, um, you know, simplify your life um know thyself i mean it was like there was so much and it was immediately yeah that's that's sort of what i want to become i want to go in that direction of kind of inventing then the whole worth catalog came along which was giving you permission to kind of do your thing and it's like yes that is me i don't need to go to college even though that was like unheard of in my in my high school and it was um very early on I, i kind of knew that um, I wasn't going to have words for what it was that I did. Um, I mean, I was going to be doing non-career-like things. And the fact that I even wound up having a business card with a title was complete shock to me because I was not <laughs> at all aimed in that direction. <laughs> all right? You know, I mean I was 35 and I was still working for ten dollars an hour at a nonprofit. And that was perfectly fine with me, and so, so, um, um, so, 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 yeah. So so the clarity about kind of like going on my own path was very early, and it seemed completely natural in a certain sense. Or I mean, it didn't seem like heroic. I mean, I wasn't being the hero. It wasn't like this was like an easy thing to do, just to kind of go along this thing, be nice to people, be helpful, but I'm on my own path. One of the things that seemed to
1: come out going through so much of this wisdom that you collected is kind of that, that, that meta concept of really being a great ancestor. Yeah. It seems like you're trying to pass things on. And I would love to just, just hear you describe, what do you think about when you think about embodying being a great ancestor?
0: Yeah so so that so so um you know there's many different ways to kind of talk about that and and there's some lots of good reasons to try and do that I mean basically you want to leave the place in a better state than before but I think one of the things I didn't really I hated the kind of history in high school I was like oh my gosh this is just I have no interest in the past. I'm, I'm really headed toward the future. But then when I was traveling in Asia for many, many years, that changed my mind, and I really began to read history, and I began to see the value of knowing the past. And one of the things that I learned about the past was the amount of subsidy, the amount of support that the past has made for me. I look around all those streets that most streets don't move They've just improved over time. They're very old, particularly in older places like Europe and Asia. They've been the same streets for thousands of years. And people have been dedicating and working on and making it. So there's this infrastructure. There's this civilization that I inherit that enables me to get further along. And so the kind of debt, I'm, I'm much more aware of the debt I have to the people in the past who were good ancestors, meaning that they... Made something that they left behind for me to use, and that ranges from stuff that they've written to you know the plumbing to the other kind of knowledge um, that you know that that we accumulate and move forward in our libraries and our education process. So I owe the past so much, and and I became much more aware of how much we're doing. And even, you know, there's this kind of a self-reliance myth, this idea that a lot of people, particularly Americans, have they're going to be self-reliant. They're going to, they're not going to rely on anyone else. They're going to do their own thing, which is a total, total misguided idea. Because if they buy anything in a store, they're, Depending on, they're, they're basically living off of, they're freeloading basically in a certain sense. So I am freeloading on civilization and I acknowledge it. They're freeloading and they don't acknowledge it. And that's the difference. There's certainly a way in which you can kind of do a lot of stuff yourself and there's a certain virtue and benefit and joy of that. But this idea of being self reliant, there's very, 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 very few people who are totally living in the woods completely on their own. And um, e- even they're like you know the Unabomber. They go shopping you know all the time to get supplies and stuff. They, they really can't live without relying on the past what people have made in the past. So that was one tiny little example of how I want to then make the world better and add things that other people in the future will be able to to use, and what. We're trying to use is that every person born in the past and in the future and today has this really weird mix of talents. We're all kind of unique. We have different faces. And just that we have different faces, we have different talents, different mix of abilities, gifts, whatever you want to call it. And, um, I think we each have, and this is a faith rather than proven, but I, I believe and will proven over time that we each have our own genius of some sort. We have some particular mix of something that we could do that nobody else can do that would be a genius. It would be creative. It would be something. And part of the, the, the means to unleash that is we need technologies to do that. So I imagine... Um, Beethoven or Mozart being born before we had invented pianos or the symphony—that okay, genius, Mozart's genius—he was some guy in, you know, a farmer somewhere in, in in Nairobi. I don't know. He could have been anywhere in the past, and if he had been born, what a loss to the hmm. world! So. Because of the invention of the piano and the symphony, we have his genius. Or you know, or George Lucas before they invented cinema and computers, that genius would have been lost. Shakespeare before they had invented language and printing, or plays. So today, somewhere in the world, there's a Shakespeare or Mozart born, who's waiting for us to invent. The technology that would unleash their genius and that's sort of what i am involved in is trying to bring about as fast as possible all the new forms of technology so that every person born in the future or even today would have a chance to unleash their genius and share it in the world and that is sort of um that's the person that I want to become who it can make, help, help make that come about in some way.
1: Hey guys, it's Sean, and we are about to dive right back into this episode, but before we do, I wanted to take less than a minute to tell you about my online personal development course called You Unleashed. Now, over the years, I've personally coached CEOs, executives, and professional athletes, and I've interviewed over 300 of the world's most successful people on this podcast. And my course, You Unleashed, compiles the most important routines, mindsets, and skills that you need to skyrocket the success in your own life. Now you will learn these things over 19 video lectures that I'm going to teach you in this course. And you can find out more about the course by heading to what got you forward slash you dash unleashed, or you can click the link below. Now that's what got you there.com forward slash you dash unleashed. That's an exciting inner journey. You're on Kevin for sure. I'm wondering when you're thinking about that future and let's say you're there today, Mozart's being born, you're just seeing the technologies come into play how are you thinking, what is that future like in your head? How are you seeing the merger between people's creativity with the the new technologies that are coming about today?
0: Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm very optimistic. I think that, that we're, right now, it's, you know, it's the best time in the world ever to be alive, and um, the the tools like YouTube and these communication tools that we're using right now are just unleashing degrees of creativity that that we've never seen before. I mean, it's hard to go into YouTube and not just be blown away by what people can do today and not just making youtube but capturing it i mean i mean part of what we're doing is we have cameras everywhere and so things that people have done in the past are are being captured and shared and inspiring other people to kind of outdo them or do even better and that speed and acceleration of this learning and trying to in a kind of friendly competition be even more um, creative than the other person. This this is it's really uh, unheralded. It's just amazing, and I think really not appreciated about the levels at which this is happening, because it's really hard to see. I mean, there's you know there's millions and millions of channels, and you're going to see some little tiny 00001 percent of it. So um, so so I think I think these these new tools really are helping people. Be inspired to do it. And then, secondly, giving the instructions, conveying the information about actually how to do it. Um, again, this is when I was growing up in New Jersey in the 1950s and 60s. It's really hard to convey to my kids or anybody else how impoverished we were with information about how to do anything. I had huge desires of things, but I literally had no way. To find out how to do it, I mean, where would you go? The where would you go? You wouldn't. The local bookstore would have some bestsellers. There's no libraries didn't have it. No, nobody had this information about. Let's say you wanted to, I don't know, um, change the brake light in your car. You had to take it to the dealer. There was no do-it-yourself. Wanted to build a house. How would you do that? If you wanted to learn welding. Uh, you could just go on. Anyway, so it was, it was, we, we don't really appreciate the degree to which this new technology is liberating and unleashing creativity. And then now we're going to have this additional layer of AI creativity. On top of that, uh, it's just going to be astounding. I was reading a, a recent article by you in
1: Wired Magazine, and I'm, I'm going to try to sum it up here, basically saying, like, you're in silent awe. And, and wow, viewing some of these images that are being produced. And you say, human-made art must now be over as a question mark. Who can comp- compete with the speed, cheapness, scale, and yes, wild creativity of the machines? And so you address, is art over? Has it gone to the robots? And I would love to just hear how you're thinking about that.
0: Right. I think at the next sentence, I'm not sure, is it says, and I predict that not a single person will lose their job. 100%. Because of yeah. Um And as far as I know, no, nobody on Earth, has been fired because of AI, to date, as far as I know. So, um, yeah. So, so the, the the just briefly the 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 stance that we're going to have with AI is as partners. Yeah. Co-creators in this. Co-creators throughout. I do a daily AI art uh, right now, and I call it my art. But I'm making it with the AI. And one of the things we know about it is it takes tremendous amounts of time and knowledge to actually get stuff that is good. So the AI by itself can only go so far. The human artists, we know how far they go. But together, you can go further. And um, it's not just a matter of pushing the buttons. This was a fear of when the camera came along, the painters. Oh, all you do is push the button, and then so painting is over. Well, painting didn't over, wasn't over, and part of it is because it's not just a matter of pushing the button. It actually takes some skill mm. to push the button. Some people are better at pushing the button than other people. <laughs> okay, so it's kind of weird to think about. Oh, you're a good photographer because you know how to push the button. It's there's a lot more involved. in the same with AI art. It's not just a matter of clicking. It's there is. There's good, great AI artists who will produce things, and you'll say, "How like, Oh my gosh! How do you do that? What are your prompts?" This is not the prompts. This is um, Lance is um, the the um, bike. He says it's not the bike. You know the what's his name Lance, Lance Armstrong. The, Lance Armstrong. People say, you know, what bike are you using? You know, we must use a great bike to win. No, no, it's not the bike. It's not the AI. <laughs> the AI is just a partner in this. And so um, we are going to partner with the AIs and they are very good at doing kind of lowercase creativity, but what we all want to aim for is a uppercase creativity where it's kind of a breakthrough. It's never before seen and it appeals to us. And our advantage over the AIs is that we know what humans like and AI has no idea right now what humans really like. Not intuitively, they don't really understand. There's still a long way to go. They will accumulate over time, I believe, many things that, that we have, including consciousness. But they will never be human consciousness. It's going to be weirdly alien. They're, they are artificial aliens. That's the metaphor. They're like Spock or Dada. They're, they're, they're just alternative beings. They, have, they can think. They can be creative. But they're just weirdly different from us. That is their main benefit. That's not a bug. People are going to be trying to make them more and more human. No, 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 no. Their advantage is that they're not human. So we get to have another kind of mind at work. We can produce things that we alone cannot produce. That's the whole purpose of these guys, is to make something that we ourselves cannot make by ourselves. We're not trying to replace us. We're trying to make new stuff. And so... Um, Uh, So I'm very excited by AI and I, uh, you know, I advise people to embrace it and try it and become better at it and become at ease with it because it's going to be more in our lives. Thinking about this co-creation process, right?
1: Like you mentioned the camera. If you want to be a better photographer, you've got to develop the skills. What are the skills that you think would be helpful to cultivate and develop to better
0: co-create with the AI? Yeah. So uh, one is uh, you need 10,000 hours, (laughs) right? Use the AI for 10,000 hours. Uh, So so there's, there's, it's like, you know, it's like practicing the piano scales. It's like photography. Yeah. Take a lot of pictures. I've been photographing for 50 years, a lot. So I've gotten better. Um, So one is this kind of, repetition, the time spent, the thousand, the ten thousand hours that you need to get ten thousand hours of what they call deliberate practice. You, you know, the difference between practice and deliberate practice is that you practice to the point of failure, meaning you 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 you're actually trying to get better, trying to to, to to um to improve, rather than just repeat things. So so that's one thing. This the second one is um uh um It's weird. It's kind of like, um, like the dog whisperer. You kind of want to try and think like the AI. You want to try and understand how it works and begin to think. It's like, what does the AI do? What's it doing right now? How does it think? What does it want? So to speak. So you're kind of in trying to, it's kind of empathy. It's kind of weirdly, you're trying to be empathetic to the AI because that empathy allows you to communicate or partner with it. Hmm. And it's, you know, it's like someone who's really good at fixing a car. They're kind of saying, well, you know, what does, what does this car want? What's, wh- wh- where, where's it leaning? What is it, what is it missing? What is it, what does it want? And so, um, so that's kind of an empathy is the second, besides the hours, there's an empathy. And then. I think the third thing that we're going to see is um, a willingness to be playful and experiment, and to you know to fail, to try stuff, to to um, you know to explore, to to um, head out, to to not do the things that that work or have worked in the past, but to try new stuff.
1: That that makes me think about that that willingness to embrace the unknown, to to work and wrestle with with failure. You have a great framework around the universe is conspiring to help us, uh, that, that Paulo Coelho line, um, right. when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you achieve it. There's also another great line, God's watch over lost souls, especially when they dream. I, I just right. want to know how this idea of the universe conspiring to help you, what does this look like in your own life?
0: Right. So that is a term coined by someone whose name I forget about 30 years ago called pronoia, and pronoia is the opposite of paranoia. Paranoia you're 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 convinced that the universe is conspiring to work against you. They're all against me. Um pronoia is where you're convinced that the universe is trying to help you. They're all everyone behind me is working to help me to make, you know, to make me succeed. And I think in my own life that that's the attitude I take is is I generally I believe that most people work in for good most of the time. Most people are altruistic most of the time, if you give them a chance. Um, and yes, occasionally I'm cheated. But that's a small price mm. to pay. Because when you treat people at their best, they're going to give you the best. So so I gain far, far, far more by the little bits of cheating that had been done because I trusted people. So, so the first thing is I inherently default trust people within reason if i get an email from a guy (laughs) talking about his nigerian uncle (laughs) i mean a million dollars okay i'm you know i'm not dumb but i mean i i trust within reason um someone uh and, and by the way um that's a really good rule when you're traveling is um if you just take a random person and ask them for help, they will help you. But if someone's coming up to you to offer help, then you have to be suspicious. Um, so, so it's much better to if 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 you're really stuck, it's much better to go at initiating the help sequence yourself because that person is much more likely to really help you than if someone is voluntarily coming up into you to approach you to help you. So, because because um, the average person is going to be very, very helpful and, and, and kind. Um, so, so yeah, so, so as, a, as an example, when I was traveling, I had, I had very few unpleasant experiences, almost never, even though I basically was trusting everybody that I met within reason. If, again, if someone came up to me trying to offer something, I wouldn't trust them because they're not... They're kind of self- selecting they're I didn't I didn't choose them that wasn't they were coming to me so um so I was a little bit more suspicious about that but I think just in general um, believing the best in people trusting strangers um, a, surrounding yourself with people who are positive and believe the same um, all conspire in a in a direction, to unfairly bless bless me, you know I, I think it's unfair. Um, I am incredibly lucky. So 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 that's the other thing is I acknowledge how lucky I am. I don't deserve the things I have been given. Um, it's luck. I was where I was born, how I was born, when I was born, all totally luck. The successes of things like Wired huge component of luck the right time things tried before it didn't work afterwards too late so there, there is just tremendous amount of, of luck in my life and I acknowledge that too it's it's a great way to
1: be thinking about your own life and, and how you move about in the world I, I am wondering though Kevin just plenty of life experiences When when you are going through some of those challenging times what is the internal
0: dialogue like for you um uh I have an aphorism in the book, this little excellent advice for living book, which says that one of the ways that you can choose to be lucky is to treat setbacks as temporary. In other words, it's just a temporary bump in the road. That's important. It's, like, it's not like a... It's not the permanent state, it's not the default state, it's not the inevitable state, the setbacks, it's not due to me and my character. No, no, it's just a little bump in the road. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the ways you can choose to be lucky. You can increase your luck by treating setbacks and dis and troubles and hassles and disasters and everything else as temporary. Mm-hmm. You're on your, you know, we'll overcome them and we'll go on.
1: Another one of the, the great bits of advice is fully embrace what is the worst that can happen. And at each juncture in life rehearsing your response to the worst and can reveal as an adventure. And there you're you're no longer
0: robbed um by its power to stall you. Right, right. So 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 I did that when I was younger is you know, living with very little or, you know, um deliberately kinda of, well, not quite volunteer poverty, but this idea that you would um try to see how little you actually needed so that if things got bad and you were out of a job or unhoused, you could see how you would deal with that because you didn't have a house and you were living in a tent or whatever it is. And you would say, okay, I know how to do this. If it came to this, I'm not going to go crazy. I'm not going to die. I can survive this. Therefore, I'm not as afraid of it. Mm And therefore, that gives me some power to kind of take a risk in a startup or whatever it is, or a world or a trip around the world, because I know that um, I have been able to live at this other mode and do okay. And it's a
1: very grounded, powerful state to be able to operate in. You you mentioned you even understood that and lived that at a a young age. Out of all this advice in the book, 400-plus aphorism, which part or what bit of advice took you the longest to live?
0: <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, there, 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 there is one that's almost kind of a core and pivotal idea of the book that took me a long time to kind of get to. And I, and that is really something I wished I'd known when I was 20 mm-hmm. and it's, it's one of the shortest ones. It's, um, Don't try to be the best. Try to be the only. Don't be the best. Be the only. Being the only is really what it's, really the ultimate goal. And that means do the things that only you can do. Um, I think like like a lot of people, I was looking for this holy trinity of this, 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 this apex of like, I want to do something that I really enjoy doing. And that I'm really, really good at, and that I get paid to do. Okay, so like, for most people, that is like the ultimate peak, right? If you can, you love what you're doing, you're really, really good at, and you're getting paid a lot to do it. What could be better? Well, actually, there is something better. And that that, that came late in life, in part because achieving those first three produced a whole bunch of opportunities to do more of that. So I had more choices to do things that, I would be really good at this, I would really enjoy doing this, and there's some money in doing it. But I'm going to say no, because I can think of five other people who would do this. I want to do this one over here, because there's nobody who can do that one. I That's for me. That, that's what I am born to do. That's, that's what I'm here for. And by the way, when I'm doing that, All those other ones are so easy. It's like, this is like, it's easy because I know that there's no one else doing it. And so this is one of the things I do when I'm working on a project, is I talk about what I'm trying to do, hoping that people will steal it. I talk about what I'm going to do for years, hoping that other people will will do it. Because if someone else does it, steals my idea, that's like a... I don't need to do that one because someone else could do it. I'm going to come back to the ones, the task, the art, the device, the the writing, whatever it is, that nobody else can do. That's my part. That's That's what I'm here for. That's what I'm aiming for, is to become the best me. And that means that there's not going to be anyone doing it. And so, by the way, that's really good. Like when you're, I was writing a book. When I was writing a book, my first book, there were two other really good writers writing books very similar, and it felt like we're in a race. Now I don't have that because it's like, oh, I'm. I've been trying to give this away for five years. I've been trying to talk people. I've been trying to pay people to write this thing. I can't get anybody to write it. I still think it's a great idea. No, I'm gonna write it because it was for me. I don't have to worry, no one else is uh, there's no competition, I can take my time because I've been trying to give it away, I've been trying to pay people. I mean so um, so yes, there is there are times when people say, Well, you know, I want to do this, I want to be the first to do it. If I don't do it, someone else will do it. And and there's kind of a haste and and stuff, and I think, okay, maybe when you're young you don't have that many opportunities, that's fine. But I think over the long term where you want to go to is you want to arrive at the place where there's no word for what you're doing. It's you. No one else can do what it is. Only you can do it. You're immutable and you're doing the thing that you're born to do. and it takes a lot of time and kind of self-knowledge and trial to kind of arrive there. It's basically, it basically takes your whole life to figure out what that is. I, I guess I'm intrigued
1: by that last part that it, it took you so long to get there because I could be wrong on this, Kevin, you're very self-aware and you seem to yeah. not have a lot of those self-imposed limitations. People yeah. tend to place on themselves. And, and so I, I, I'm just wondering like,
0: why, well, did, why did you not then discover that even sooner? Because I'm interested in lots of things, and to to actually to understand what no one else can do, I have to kind of like really understand what everyone else can do. Mm. You know, it's like it's like yeah, and there's lots of things I can do, but I don't know which one no one else can do. That takes some time to figure out. To to see, well, um, you know, I see other people try; they're not doing this, or um, um, or you know. I think it's easier to kind of maybe figure out what I could do and harder to figure out what other people can't do. Hmm. So there's two parts of it. It's kind of not just, just being self-aware. It's also being kind of aware of the world and what's actually happening out there and what people find difficulty in doing. And so, um, so like a lot of things in life, it's not just interior. I mean, this is, this is the beauty. This is why you're here and I'm, talking to you and you're talking to me and we have friends and family around us is is we need other people to provide that view of us internally and also the view of what's possible outside of us and so 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 i'm i'm horrified often by kind of loners because it's very dangerous because they 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 they, they aren't getting that feedback mm-hmm. Um, They don't really, they're not really self-aware and they're not really aware of of what the world's capable of and what it can do. And so there's two parts. There is this kind of self-awareness, but there's also world awareness. Being being reality-based, being evidence-based, of paying attention to what the world is saying about what it is that we're doing. You can't just only go your way in a, then it's kind of a, you become like a fantasy, a fantasy world. It's a kind of a mental illness in a certain sense. You have to have, you have to balance both your own internal weirdness and then the reality of of the world.
1: Hmm. This makes me think of another bit of your wisdom. It is the duty of a student to get everything out of the teacher and the duty of the teacher to get everything out of the student. Right. You being in the role as a teacher, I'm assuming more often at this stage, What do you find yourself wishing your students Mm. would ask?
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's a good question. Um, um, One of the, the hardest The kinds of things that I'm most interested in are, 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 you know, where people are being creative, whether that's creatively artistically, creatively technically, creatively scientifically, creative culturally. And it's, and this, I'm speaking to myself a little bit, but it's very, very difficult to unleash our minds from what we know how to do and what has been done. Like when we try to think about the future, oh my gosh, it is so hard to forget what we expect the future to be. Because we're going to be, we keep, our we're constantly being surprised by the future. And it's because it's really hard for us to loosen up our imaginations from what is the norm, from what we expect. And that's, true in art and making anything and doing the kind of stuff that I'm interested in, um, getting kind of a you know, trite outside the box thinking is is really, really difficult and it's particularly difficult with people who are very talented and very uh, and have mastered things and it's almost like the more they're expert on something, the harder it is for them to Imagine something different and new. and you wouldn't think that, but it is and and the reason is because they know they know how impossible and how hard that is the other thing. and we're it's like saying no no you kind of it's impossible, but it's I know that it seems impossible, but you have to kind of go beyond that. so so that ability and it's not just the students too, that ability to kind of um Unleash the constraints of creativity are very hard and by the way This is one of the reasons why I'm very pro AI because I think the partnership with AI will help us do that and and I see that in my My use I do my daily AI art. It's like oh my gosh That's one of the benefits is like I would I don't think any human would ever thought about that But that's that's a possibility. That's that there it is. Wow, that's really cool and so this 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 sort of um, whether it's in science, um, mathematics, academics, art, entrepreneur this the the this, um, this thing for students that I wish they would do more of is ask uh, like why not okay um, what if. Um, just sort of suspending the disbelief a little bit longer, two more steps, and inhabiting an alternative scenario and kind of following it all the way through and, and you know, uh, just trying it out. So, so, so that's really, doesn't come natural. It really has to be
1: taught. At what areas and environments are you most finding yourself tapping into your your student self, where you're really just thirsting for knowledge?
0: Yeah. Um, I like. I think it was someone else's um, wisdom that I put it to my own words, um, which is that uh, I find uh, the most profitable is when I'm um, when I become curious about things that i'm not interested in okay so it's like it's i find it really amazing if i head down into like something in youtube or wherever where like i have no interest in this but i'm gonna go down anyway and see what's there and it's like oh my gosh this is so incredible you know i mean i have just recently was watching makeup tutorials like i am like the least fashionable person on the planet. I mean like I am like negative makeup. But I was I have no interest in makeup tutorials, but I'm very curious about them and just getting into them and it's like seeing what's going on. And it's like I'm totally I know nothing. And that newbie thing is like, oh my gosh, this is there's this world. There's all this stuff. There's there's these products and there's these schools of thought and there's a philosophy and it's like wow so um so being curious about things that you're not interested in or that i'm not interested in is is something that i'm finding the one of the best ways to put me in that student mode how are you
1: balancing then the the ten thousand hours that deliberate practice with also the exploration and the curiosity
0: yeah well i have no uh, i'm making no attempt at all to ever be a to master <laughs> make <laughs> I'm I'm just the explorer to see what's there. So so what I'm spending ten thousand hours in is I'm spending ten thousand hours exploring YouTube. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would love to be a YouTube expert in the sense of of um, not the individual things, but like what is actually going on there because because I think it's I think there's nobody who knows and 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 I, I mean I think even the people at YouTube don't really have a grasp. Of what's happening, and so um, what do you uh, w- what are you looking at to
1: understand the second and third order effects?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so it's like um, um, there's one thing is just the velocity of of, of um, information being exchanged. How fast someone will someone will make some little innovation, post it. And then within hours, days, someone else has taken that and improved it and posted their thing. Mm -hmm. And so, again, this is not just makeup artists. This is like brain surgeons watching the recording, the surgery, uh, some new technique. And they put it up and the brain surgeon Mm -hmm. is watching it. And they're going to go back that day and they're going to do it and they're going to put it up. And it's like, this is like, it's like on steroids instead of publishing in a paper three years later, and so, so there's things like this. Sort of looking at the velocity of of, of innovation. It's looking at um, how people are are using it. Like you know, does the shorts are they working? Um, um, what kinds of you know, just the, the metrics. What kinds of things are people watching all the way through? So there's just there's just there's a lot of um, stuff. And and I don't you know. It's so new that I don't think we, well, first of all, I don't think there's a lot of academic study analysis of what it is. But there's also just in terms of kind of like uh, people appreciating it, you know, some people down in the trenches who are making YouTubes every day, they have some idea about the dynamic. But I think looking at the larger picture, like, well, what is actually being covered? What's... What's, where are the white spaces? What's not been YouTubized? I mean, what's not being covered? That's a question that I haven't seen. This is, you know. Um, so, so. Uh, so there's, I could easily spend 10,000 hours in trying to um, parse YouTube. And I, I'm pretty sure if there's anyone else doing it, there's only one or two people doing it.
1: Kevin, I, I know we need to close this out in a minute, but last time we spoke, you mentioned Stort Brand. He, he's one of those people that you admire, and then you find out more, and you actually admire more of, as opposed to I a lot do. of people you admire less. Who right. else do you have that that deep admiration for, and that admiration keeps building on top of each other?
0: Um, In the same orbit as is, is Danny Hillis, who is another co-founder of the Long Now Foundation, a polymath who... um, um who has taught me a lot in terms of how to think, but also I think is a really good person and um, lives his life with um, admirable um, dignity and admirable humility and other things that I respect. And so I get to interact with him uh, on on an occasional basis and, and I am still learning from him. I would say in the kind of celebrities f- field, um, I have had the privilege of interacting with Jeff Bezos, and I continue to admire Jeff. Um, he's he's a you know like a lot most of us he's he's a flawed, not non perfect person, but nonetheless, um, I keep learning from him, and I believe he's really trying hard and I um, admire how he's going about his his um, his life of learning himself and so um you know it's a really tough job being one of the richest people in the world and um a lot of people were very eager to criticize him but i I find myself um admiring many of the moves that he's made
1: well, Kevin, I, I admire what you've done over the years and then for passing this knowledge that you've accumulated on the recent book, Excellent Advice for Living Wisdom I'd Wish I'd Known Earlier. Kevin Kelly, where else can we direct the listeners? Of course, in the show notes, we have the book and all of your previous books, but where else yeah. can you? would you like the listeners going?
0: I have a little uh, newsletter called Recommendo, which has been going on for five or six years. Every Sunday morning, uh, we have a uh, six little tiny recommendations of cool stuff, whether it's stuff to read, things to watch, uh, tips, tricks, helpful, um, stuff that would get you through the day or while you're traveling or in the kitchen, whatever. So it's called recommendo, um, 60,000 people subscribe for free. Uh, so, I'm one of those subscribers and I love you your newsletter. So, so um, I highly recommend it. Yeah, that's it. But, um, I uh, thank you for your questions about Excellent Advice for Living. It's, I For me, is one of the funnest things I've done, one of the coolest projects that I've been involved in. 450 little aphorisms that take a whole bunch of essays and put it down into one little tweet. Uh, I've compressed it for you. Um, you can ex- expand them as you read them. Um, I hope that um, you pass one on to, if you find it useful, pass it on to a young person.
1: Yeah, the, the longtime listeners and followers, you guys know how many times I've shared Kevin's previous um, bits of wisdom. Uh, this is one of those great books to have just laying around your office, the coffee table, flip through again and again. But Kevin Kelly, I can't thank you enough for joining us on What Got You There.
0: Well, thank you so much.
1: You guys made it to the end of another episode of What Got You There. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through.